Merry Christmas. Welcome, welcome to Grace Bible Church. We are excited to have you with us. This is one of those nights where we have a lot of visitors, often folks visiting from out of town. So if you're here with some family, welcome. Thanks for joining them and joining us. Uh, you may have just randomly found us. If that's the case, welcome. We're glad you're here. Um, our service tonight is going to be a little different than our normal Sunday services. Uh, a lot of back and forth. There will be some standing and sitting and standing and sitting. Uh, we're going to light candles. We're going to read the scriptures together. We're going to sing some songs of praise to Jesus as we celebrate his birth. Um, if you are new, we would love to make sure we didn't miss connecting with you. So if you look under the chairs in front of you, there's some visitor cards there. So if, if you want to know more about us or if we can answer any questions, fill out one of those visitor cards and you can drop it in one of the boxes as you, as you walk out. That'll give us a way to kind of follow us, make sure we didn't miss you. Uh, but just want you to know we're glad you're here. Uh, Christmas is often referred to as Advent, and the word Advent means the arrival of a notable person or event. And so we are saying that this time of year we commemorate and celebrate the arrival of the most notable person, the most notable event that, that ever happened in human history. God became flesh. He was born among us. You'll see big words on the wall behind us here, and those are the themes that we're going to work through tonight as we celebrate all that Jesus has brought into our lives. We want you to know that we welcome you whether or not you have faith or you don't have faith and want to encourage you, if you're not a person of faith, just to consider uh, what we're talking about tonight. And I would just challenge you um, to question your own faith because we all have faith in something. We want to plead with you that we all have faith in something, but we believe what we proclaim here, Jesus, his birth, his death, his resurrection, is the faith that makes the most sense out of the world and brings the most grace into our lives. So we'd love to invite you to consider with us as we worship and sing and celebrate tonight. We start with a theme of hope, and hope uh, is something that gives you strength and difficulty. And so we want to start back at the beginning of the Bible story, looking at the Bible, which is 66, 66 different books, but in a sense, it's one big story. And we want to start where the Bible starts and recognize that things started good in creation, but things quickly went bad. And Christians confess that what's wrong with the world is not the bad people out there, but it's us, that we're not as brave and as beautiful and as kind as we should be. And we see that played out in the Christian story in the Bible. We're told in Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. After he had made everything good, Adam and Eve rebelled against God. And after this rebellion took place, Genesis 3, 9 and 10 says this, The Lord called to the man and said, Where are you? And he responded, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, and I hid myself. Mankind has been hiding themselves ever since. Isaiah 9 promises that a rescuer will come to rescue us from our hiding and from the darkness. Isaiah 9 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. 
For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah 7 says, The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. During this section, after each scripture reading, I'm going to read the part at the top that says leader, and I'm going to ask you to respond with the bolder part at the bottom that says church, and we'll light a candle. Christ lights our darkness because he is the hero we have been longing for. sing. Rejoice.
want to read scriptures about God's love for us. God proved his love for us by sending us Jesus. In John 1, we're told the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John 3 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Christ lights our darkness because he proves God's love for us. Let's stand together. All right, so you might have to get your dancing shoes on for this one. We'll see. I see my kiddos. You guys ready to dance and sing? Yes. All right. <laughs> Good time. So if you didn't know, it's okay to have fun at Christmas. So if you're kind of scroogey, you might have to just get into this one, okay? You ready? So let's see if we can. Can we teach him that clap beat? We did this once already. It's scary, but it's good. Okay, ready? Want to do it? See that? There we go. Oh, yeah. Y'all are advanced clappers. Good job. You got it, kiddos? All right. Awesome. Here we go. Ready?
Y'all can go ahead and take a seat. I love that song. Okay, so I said earlier, we believe the Bible, even though it's 66 books, is ultimately one great story, the greatest story ever told. Now, we're trying to kind of retell that story as we move through the night. We're also going to now have story time within the story. So it's like a story within a story within a story. Isn't that cool? So we're going to have the children come forward for story time. We're going to be gathered right here, so if your kids want to come up, if they're maybe not sure about it, you want to come with them, you can come with your kids and come on up front, and they can sit on the carpet, and we're going to uh, read a cool story, imagining what it was like for some animals that went with the wise men to come visit baby Jesus. So we're thinking about the Bible story about the wise men that came to worship Jesus and we're imagining what it would be like if we could talk to the camel. You ever talk to a camel? Sometimes. They don't always talk back unless you're reading a great story. So. All right. Everybody, did we find it? All right. Got one more. Children or those of you that are children at heart, you can come too. Christmas, guys. I'm glad you're here. So we're going to read a story today about a camel. Okay, it's not really about a camel, but there's a camel in it. All right, so we're going to find out. Um, all right, here we go. This is Humphrey's first Christmas. Behold, most beauteous and exalted king of all should be my name. Instead, they call me Humphrey. This I could bear if the worst thing of all had not just happened. My dearest possession, my glorious carpet blanket, has been lost along the trail. And now I'm never warm, and I suffer terribly. And that is why I have a plan to replace my greatest of all treasures. I carefully nudge my nose inside the caravan master's tent. This is followed closely by the chattering of my teeth, letting the master know that I'm most enormously cold. Success, he has not pushed me out, and I remain hopeful that a new blanket soon will be mine. 
rich caravans have joined us on our journey. And there has been talk of a king. But they have not brought me any joy. They've just tied three big chests to my bare back. And they're so heavy, I'm sure that each of them is full of rocks. The other camels are wearing the finest blankets, and so they're all comfortable and warm. Not even one of them thinks about me, their cousin, in pain and misery because of the loss of my most precious carpet blanket. I cry out in sorrow. I weep. Today, I continue my plan to regain my treasured blanket. I add a loud sniffling to the chattering of my teeth, and I squeeze my entire body into the master's tent. When I do, out rolls the master, for that tent is exactly camel-sized. It's as I planned, as the master chases me away, he tosses a blanket at me. Success! Once more, I'm covered with splendor and comfort, and I'm filled with delight. If it were not for those heavy chests that I'm forced to carry, I might almost be happy. We've been following one star for many long nights, and now our caravan enters the town of Bethlehem. Its streets and inns are crowded with travelers. My master gives no thought to my tired feet and my rumbling belly. I'm forced to keep moving. At last, we reach the end of our journey, but I'm kind of confused. There is no great palace, no rich oasis, no palm trees heavy with fruit. I only see a lowly stable, and there's a family inside. The kings rejoice, and they rush forward to bow before this young woman with a baby. Finally, oh, those chests taken off my back, and they place them before that tiny little child each box is opened. There are no rocks. I only see gold and frankincense and myrrh. In this land, I have walked past many, many children, but never before have I ever felt the need to walk toward one. Now, I kneel before this baby shivering in a manger. Watching him gladdens me more than sweet water or fresh hay, even more than my wondrous new blanket. I look into that baby's eyes, and I'm overwhelmed by love. I pull my treasure off my back, and I lay my gift carefully upon the child. He smiles. My nose, my whiskers all tingle with joy. I'm happy on down to my toes. 
and even without my blanket, it's still warm. The beloved, most beauteous, exalted king of all should be his name. Instead, they call him Jesus. Tonight we're all dressed up in your pretty Christmas clothes and celebrating and maybe even going to have a special dinner. We're going to light some candles here. And that's because of Jesus, right? The best gift of all. And I don't know what's under your tree at home, but I guarantee you nothing is nearly as good as him, right? Awesome. Well, hey, before you guys go back with your parents, you'll go and see Pastor Dave. He might have a little treat for you, okay? Right. You guys have a great Christmas. Me and Miss Trish are going to pass Merry these Christmas. out. Everybody can have one, but make sure you ask your parents before you eat them because you might be allergic to peppermint or sugar, okay? next theme that we want to talk about is joy, which is a great transition, right? Because kids remind us how to have joy. As we get older, we often become cynical because of uh, our own failures or maybe because of other people's failures that have let us down. One of the opportunities we have uh, as Christians is to become a child all over again. One of the coolest things when you're around kids is seeing kids have the sense of wonder and joy when they see life for the first time, when they discover things that maybe you got bored with years ago. Um, the scriptures tell us that we can be born again, that we can be like God's children by faith in Jesus, and then we can have real joy, not a fake joy where we deny the hardness of life, but a real joy where we know that even though life is hard, there's something even better that meets us in the midst of our pain and suffering. Luke tells us this first Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. He says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. 
all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, the great king of Israel. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. The angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby, a baby, wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with that angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And so they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Christ lights our darkness, so we rejoice through our suffering. And let's stand together. i 
going to read about the peace that Jesus brings us. Peace in its most simple sense means a ceasing of uh, hostilities. The the fighting is over. Um, In a broader sense, uh, we see that because Jesus came, we're no longer at war with God. Jesus absorbed the wrath of God so that we can now be one, so there can be peace, there can be unity, there can be togetherness. And that reality of us being reconciled to God also translates uh, into an experience of knowing internally in our minds that we don't have to be anxious anymore. We know that everything is okay, that we can be now at peace with God and with each other. Jesus told his disciples uh, in John 14, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while in the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, Neither let them be afraid. Christ lights our darkness by bringing peace to our conflict with God and each other. shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul
we get closer to the end of our time together, we wanted to focus in on Jesus. Jesus is the reason that we celebrate. We said earlier that Christmas time is often referred to as Advent, which means the arrival of a notable person or event. And so we proclaim that Jesus' arrival 2,000 years ago is the most notable thing that's ever happened in human history. I want us to look back just a little bit at the story we read earlier in Luke chapter 2, the Christmas story when the angels appeared to the shepherds and told them about the birth of Jesus. It's an amazing story because we see angels appearing and we see a lot of fear and a lot of drama and a lot of shock and a lot of amazement. We're in a military town, so I think a lot of people here have heard of a phrase called shock and awe. Have any of you, raise your hand if you've heard of that, shock and awe. Um, It's a military term. The phrase, the way I understand it, was coined in 1996 by some Department of Defense scholars. Um, I think I got to see it before that phrase was coined. When I was a senior in high school, uh, coalition forces liberated Kuwait. And we watched this war take place on television. And it was amazing. It was rapid dominance. It was overwhelming force. It was a kind of force that crushed the enemy's desire to resist in any way. And throughout the Bible, we have this, uh, this promise this prophecy, this projection, that someday God will come and he will crush all evil with overwhelming force, with shock and awe. And at different times in Israel's history, they began to really take hope in this. They began to sadly and mistakenly think of themselves as the good guys and take hope in the fact that God was going to come and crush the bad guys with shock and awe. And we have a story kind of like that in Luke chapter 2. We have these angels showing up, and in the story, the the shepherds that see them are terrified. They are shocked. These angels are are awful and terrifying. Luke 2 verse 8 says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. They were, they were utterly, utterly terrified. They were scared to death. Verse 10 says, and the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. So just to kind of help us get to this point in the story, an angel shows up to the shepherds. And what's the shepherd's response when an angel shows up? It's shock and awe. They are completely and utterly terrified. They're scared to death. And what does the angel say? The angel says, "Don't, don't be afraid. The angel knows he's scary. If you read much of the Bible, this is a pretty common thing that happens when angels shows up. The people faint, right? They pass out. They're terrified. Angels are always saying, it's, it's, it's going to be okay. I'm not going to kill you. It'll be, it'll be all right. And so he says, there's a reason to celebrate. There's a reason to not be afraid. And, and here's the reason. I bring you good news. The, the word we use for that is gospel, the good news. I bring you good news, good news of great joy. And good news of great joy that will be for all people, all of humanity. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The word savior is often in scripture a a military term. 
think hero or, or rescuer or redeemer. That's the way the phrase is often used. Someone who swoops in to rescue you and vanquish your enemies. And so this warrior has finally come. His name is Christ, the Lord. The word Christ is the, the Greek word for anointed one. The Hebrew word is Messiah. And so they're, they're both just signifying that this is the man marked by God to be your rescuer. This, this man that's been prophesied and predicted that you've been longing and waiting for. He's finally come. This great and mighty warrior is here. So you should rejoice. You should uh, feel free. You should feel at peace. And then it gets really weird. He says, this is the sign you'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. This great and mighty warrior has come as a baby, wrapped in swaddling cloths, and, and not just as a baby, but a baby lying in a manger, not even an appropriate bed, not even a crib, right? But he's lying in a feeding trough. Verse 13, the story gets even more interesting. It says, and suddenly there was with that first angel a multitude of, of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so the first angel causes them to want to faint, right? They're terrified. They're afraid. They're scared. It's shocking on. Now a, a whole team comes. It says a multitude. And then it says a heavenly host. The word host literally means army. And so we now have an entire army of these terrifying messengers of God. I'd be curious to just survey you. I wish I could go through and ask every single person here, uh, but I just want you to kind of think for a minute, what picture comes to your mind when you think of an angel? What picture comes to your mind? I'm, I'm guessing that there's one of two common pictures you see in your mind's eye. One picture would be um, kind of a like flying choir member, right? Uh, so a, a, uh, a woman with beautiful white robes and, and maybe wings, maybe not. Uh, maybe it's a man, but if it is a man, it's kind of a feminine man, right? So that's the picture a lot of us have of angels. Then there's this other picture we see a lot in our culture and famous Renaissance art, and that's a fat little baby with wings. Have you seen that one, right? Um, so those are the two common pictures we see in paintings and in art and literature of angels. But when you read the scriptures, sometimes an angel appears as a man, sometimes, but that's not really very often. Angels are, are generally seen as otherworldly, alien, heavenly monsters. I mean, they're, they're terrifying. They're scary looking. Now, now, they work for God, so kids, you don't have to be afraid, right? They're always telling you, don't be afraid. It's okay. It's going to be all right. But their appearance was always scary to people. They were big, scary warriors, monsters, unnerving looking creatures. Ezekiel tells us that they flew around and their faces were like various predators, very intimidating. The book of Hebrews says they're like flames of fire. They're just literally made of a fire somehow. In Isaiah, we're told that they have six wings, wings that cover their faces and wings that they fly with and wings that cover their feet. And so we get all these different pictures of angels and they're, they're always scary warriors. They're always intimidating. They're always powerful. They're otherworldly from the heavens. And so it's interesting that all throughout the Hebrew literature, the Hebrews were promised, the Israelites were promised that shock and awe would come, that judgment would come, that there would be a hero that would come, that would deliver them, that would destroy the bad guys. And then now the way it comes is just a little different than what we expected. 
the mighty warriors come. The scary monsters are there. And, wh- and what are they doing? They're actually taking the role of a choir, of a chorus in this drama. Maybe that's why we started painting them wearing choir robes all the time. I don't know. But they're in heaven singing, proclaiming glory to God and the highest and, and peace on earth, goodwill to those on whom God's favor rests. They're proclaiming the good news of this Jesus. What's amazing is, is we expect shock and awe of judgment. And, and really, the Bible says that that is still coming. The Bible says that someday God's going to judge evil. But we live in this amazing time where we're told that what God is doing is taking that judgment upon himself. That he became one of us. The, the shock and awe of the Christmas story, the shock and awe of the advent of Jesus is that the way that God is glorified in the highest was that he was humbled and came to the lowest place to be with us. The, the way that God brought judgment to the world and, and righted the wrongs was by taking judgment upon himself. The, the rest of the story in Luke unfolds to tell us that this little baby in swaddling cloths, this little baby that was lying in a manger, grew up. And he, he lived a life not unlike your life and my life. He lived with the pain and suffering of the normal world. He really was a person. He really was a human. He entered into our suffering. He was betrayed. He was hurt, just like any of us have been. And he willingly went to the cross to take our sins upon himself, dying to take the wrath of God, and then rising from the dead to, to give us his life. I want to challenge you that at Christmas time, we often miss the point, which is Jesus himself. We're looking for something maybe more amazing, maybe more shocking, maybe more angelic. And those angelic beings, those shocking and and awful creatures come and say, hey, here's, here's the point. It's this little baby. He's come in a manger. He's come to live as you He's come to die for you. And and that's the good news of great joy that we celebrate at the advent of Jesus. We celebrate that he came for us, that he loves us, that he sets us free. John 3, one of the readings we read earlier, said that God showed his love for us in this, that he sent his only son, that he he didn't come to judge us, but he came to save us. So I want to encourage you again with these final thoughts. We've all seen different versions of of shock and awe, of overwhelming force. The, the shock and awe of Christmas is that God humbled himself for you. I would encourage you as, as you move forward in your celebration of Christmas time, whether it's with family, whether it's on your own, whether it's with friends, I would encourage you to receive this gift of love, this God who has come for you. Because only when you receive that love that God has given to you unconditionally can you actually love other people unconditionally. Every other religion in the world says that if you love enough or if you do enough right things, then maybe the universe will be on your side. If you do things right, if you behave well, then maybe God will bless you. And Christianity reverses that whole thing and says we were all broken, we were all sinful, we'd all turned our backs on God, and God took this incredibly crazy rescue mission to come become one of us. Paul says in the letter to Philippians, he didn't cling to his equality with God, but he was willing to give that up to become obedient, to become in the form of a servant, to actually die for us. That's the Christmas story. I'd encourage you 
to no longer try to earn God's love, but to receive it as a gift so that you can be a changed person who loves others as you love God. I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll continue our time together. God, we thank you that you love us and that you sent your son Jesus for us. And we pray that you would teach us what this means. God, we're all wrestling with it at, at different levels. Some of us, this sounds too good to be true. For some of us, we, we say we believe it, but we struggle day to day to live it out. God, we pray that we'd be so overwhelmed supernaturally with your love from the outside that, that it would just it would wreck our hearts and change us so that we would, we would be different people. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're now going to take part in one of the most enjoyable parts of the service because it, it entails fire. I'm a, I'm a fan of fire. Um, so I need to kind of lay down some ground rules. First of all, you'll see that there are exits at the front of the building and there are exits at the back of the building. They're lit with the red exit sign, right? Um, so if for any reason you need those exits real quickly, that's where they are. Uh, also, there's fire extinguishers in the back. The deacons know where those are. Parents, I, I want to make sure you understand that I am deputizing you as fire chief of your family, okay? So you determine whether your child is ready or not to hold a candle on their own. Okay, you got that? That's on you, parents. Okay, what we're gonna do is we're gonna light the candles starting in the front and then it's gonna move to the back and we're gonna dim all the lights while we do that so we can kind of enjoy seeing the light dawn on the room. While we're doing that, we'll sing Silent Night together. I'll start with the lighting of the central Christ candle and then we'll move it back. There's extra candles too in the back if you didn't grab one for some reason. You can run and, run and grab one of those. Christ lights the darkness by sending us out to shine for others. Deacons will help me and we'll just try to go one row at a time. Silent night, silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, drowning on a virgin mother's Yeah. 
Christ the Savior is born. Christ the Savior. Now this part is kind of tricky. When you blow out your candles, you want to guard it with your hand so the burning hot wax hits your hand and not your friend or the chairs, okay? You're going to have to toughen your hand up a little bit here. And we're going to sing a final song. Uh, the candles are a symbol, just to make clear. This is not the light, but we are the light as Christ comes to live in us and he charges us to go and bring light into a dark world. So we'll blow out our candles and then we'll sing a final song together, Joy to the World. Let's stand together, carefully and not with fire. Candles can be collected on the way out the door.
walk out, remember, glory to God in the highest who humbled himself in his love to come after you. God bless you. You may be dismissed.